Hello and welcome to the Life Together podcast, where we share in meaningful conversation about living for Christ and loving one another. Thanks for joining today, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Well, hey everyone, in today's episode, we're talking about the transformative power of Scripture and how Scripture really does all the heavy lifting when it comes to leading others into a transforming relationship with Jesus. And so if you're a passionate Bible student, this episode's for you, or maybe you struggle to feel excited about reading and studying Scripture, this episode is for you as well. Wherever you're at, I believe that by the end of this episode, you'll be more inspired than ever to dive deeper and deeper into God's Word. Uh, Joining me for today's episode is Julia Goff, and Julia, I think your, uh, when I think of of you and Brian, I kind of think of y'all's house as sort of a home away from home for me. Um, Shortly after I moved here, you and Brian took me in and have been so good and generous and hospitable to me over these few years, especially with all the wonderful home-cooked meals that you've made. Uh, which I'm super thankful for, but I know your hospitality extends well beyond just myself, and I'm thankful for all the ways that you and Brian serve within the family here at Lost River. So, Julia, thanks for joining today, and uh, give us an update on life for the Goffs. Oh, well, I am excited to be here. I'm very honored that you asked me. Um, You know, life is just chugging along for the Goffs. Brian, I've adjusted to a retired husband, and I really, really like having him around. Um, As many know, we are on the road a lot. We spend a lot of time up in Indianapolis with our um, our two daughters and our son-in-laws up there. And then, of course, the main reason is for our little... 19-month-old granddaughter who has stolen our hearts. <laughs> yeah, and the hearts of everyone else. <laughs> yeah, that's that's all really exciting things. And yeah, I know I've, uh, I've, I've been sad I haven't gotten to come over as much because y'all keep going up to Indianapolis. I know, <laughs> I know. And now you're going out of town. We'll yeah, just, yeah, it's yeah. going to be, we'll get together. <laughs> but that's all uh, really good things. Um, and here's something that I learned really like some of the first few times that I came over, and that is your love for Scripture. Um, Every conversation that we have, I mean, it's like we might be sitting around dinner and talk about random things for a little bit, but I mean, it's within a matter of minutes that we're diving deep into Scripture, and I'm just curious, where does that love for Scripture come from? That comes from my parents. Um, my my dad um, became a Christian in his late teens, and from that time forward, he was so on fire for Jesus and um, loved to study the Bible. And so we talked about the Bible all the time. Um, my parents provided an environment at home that made it exciting to learn about God and learn about children. And my mom was my Bible class teacher a lot. And um, that, I think that was the beginning of it. Um, but then you know, I loved Bible, I loved Bible class. I was the, the little Bible nerd in class. I, um, I loved learning. Um, I even quick, I even kind of 
before I graduated high school, I left and went to the adult classes because I just like to hear when I was at college. Um, the There was a the upper division program. I went to FC. Um, that, of course, because I was a woman, I couldn't, you know, dig into that. But I was allowed to sit in on the classes and just listen. I just love learning. I love learning about it. Um, now... <laughs> Retaining a lot of details, it takes a lot of repetition for me, but um, I, I, I love listening um, to people talk about the Bible. Um, it's just, it's life-giving. Yeah. Oh, I love, I love that expression, life-giving. And um, right, there's the expression throughout Scripture of like the living Word of God, um, that it's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And sometimes it's hard to recognize that. I think maybe even especially for people who grew up in church, because sometimes it can become uh, a little bit monotonous, right? Parents making you do Bible lessons and things like that, and it becomes sometimes just about memorizing facts. But at some point, I think for a lot of people, the light bulb clicks on and it does come alive. And that's when it becomes so powerful and transformative. And maybe there's different seasons where it seems more powerful and relevant and active than others. Uh, but there's something so meaningful about, well, to use an expression that I've realized I've been using a lot lately, there's something powerful when the Word takes on flesh, and we see it in, in real life. So, but it sounds like that's something that started very, very early on for you with the influence of your parents. And I did want to ask about your dad, Vernon. When I think about Vernon, I think really two main things. And, and I came, uh, you know, only a, a few years ago, so um, I, I didn't get to be around Vernon, say, in his prime. Uh, but when I think of Vernon, I think really two things. One, his love for people and love in the sense of just like this exuberant joy to be around people. Definitely. And every time that I would pass by, it's like I couldn't even pass by their row without uh, being, you know, called out and say, you know, saying hi and just, um, and, and you, and that joy was so contagious. Um, it just lit your, you know, your face up with joy to be around them. And then also I think about his legacy of evangelism. There's been multiple times just being out in the community where I've run into different people around town, often who are complete strangers, but when finding out that I go to Lost River, one of the first things that they'll say is, oh, you know, have, have you met Vernon? And yes, yeah, I've been around Vernon. And he was like, wow, well, he, he changed my life, or he studied with my friend, or um, I remember how uh, meaningful and powerful his personal Bible studies were and how he led these different people to Christ. And I've heard that so many times. And, and so that's what I think of. And, and, but uh, I want to ask you kind of what was, what was that like? Um, what was it like growing up, learning from your dad, being around him as he's so involved with Bible study and evangelism? And then what did you learn as you began to do the same? Um, it was something to witness. Um, I, 
I wouldn't trade anything for all the years of hearing him go up to complete strangers and ask if they want to have a Bible study. Um, they had years ago, they had the parade of homes at their house. And as people came in, he was asking people if they wanted a Bible study. Um, I think he probably talked to over a thousand people. That's a conservative estimate mm-hmm. of, do you know about Jesus? Would you like to study the Bible with me? Um, and he was never daunted. You know, he could get rejection after rejection after rejection. It didn't matter because he knew what he had been saved from. And um, that was contagious. And as I've mourned him um, these last few months, there's this one song that I had always liked. I mean, it's not the world's greatest song, but it had always impacted me enough. I had written some of the lyrics on my mirror on a little piece of paper. And after he died, I was just walking by that mirror and it hit me um, that it was my dad. And there's a line in the song that says, I don't care if they remember me. I don't care if I leave a legacy, only Jesus. And that was dad. He didn't really care about anything except Jesus. That when they thought he wanted people, if they ever thought of him, to think about Jesus. And and he was very gifted at that. He, he um, It was great to see. I then wanted to be just like that. Um, but that there's a little difference in my dad and me. Um, he is very, he was very extroverted and I am introverted. (laughs) And so I tried so hard for so many years to do it the way dad did. And it was always awkward. It was extremely stressful. Um, it just, I, I felt very discouraged because I always thought, why, why, why doesn't it come easy for me? I love Jesus. Why, why is this so hard for me? And um, it took a, a lot of time. It took teaching the children's Bible classes. And one day, having a little girl come in, um, Nicole Norman had brought this little girl from the community who she had just met. And we were studying um, about Jesus's resurrection and the death and resurrection. And we were watching a little video. And the little girl just started going, what do you mean? But who's that man? But he's dead. And and it was the first time I'd really, even though it was a child, um, realized that it's just about talking about Jesus. It's not about... um, you know, a particular program you use to talk about Jesus or this. It just began to work in me and work in my heart um, that I I did want to share Jesus and that I just have to find a way. So it was years. I would pray about it a lot. And especially when um, I had homeschooled my girls, when they went off to school, um, I prayed a lot for how God was going to use me. And... I felt led to, I felt like God opened a door for me um, to start leading this Bible study that I had been going to for years. It was a community Bible study. And that was an opportunity for me to start leading in small groups because it was a small situation. Um, All we were doing was just talking about the Bible 
And it kind of took the pressure off of me convincing them, which I Mm. think in my head, I had always thought I've got to convince them. And that was kind of the beginning of it for me. Yeah. Well, what comes to mind when I hear that is kind of the moment when David arrives in the Valley of Elah and Saul in all of Israel is kind of hiding out, waiting, no, not sure what to do as Goliath is taunting them. And then David steps forward and he's like, hey, I, I want to give this a try. Um, and they, in first Saul gives him his armor and it just doesn't quite fit. Yeah. Um, there's been so many moments like that for me where I feel like I'm trying on other people's armor and it's just not working. And while that's not the sole example to get from the story of Saul and David and not to compare sure. Vernon to Saul in any way, <laughs> um, that's kind of what I hear where it's like you, you have to find what works for you or maybe a better way of putting it is you have to find the ways that God wants to work through you, through your personality and your character and your interests and abilities. And sometimes realizing that is is a process Um but that's that's really powerful. I, I also just want to say I love that statement about just how your dad just desired to for others to know Jesus, like of all things. And, and I, I, it reminds me of the moment when um, when the disciples are sent out on the limited commission and they come back and they're excited and eager and they're like, you know, we're doing all these things in your name. And Jesus says, Hey, rejoice not that the demons are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And there's um, uh, there's something so beautiful in a life lived with that as the focus. And I think that's in many ways what what made Vernon so beloved. Um, someone who just rejoices that he's known by God and wants others to know the God who knows him. Exactly, exactly. I think that that describes him very well. Yeah. But uh, so let's talk about kind of the the direction that you found to be most helpful in following in your in your dad's footsteps, but maybe in a different way. Following your dad's footsteps, but in different shoes. Um, and in contrast to the idea of the Bible being irrelevant. How have you seen community Bible study or opening God's Word within a community of people change lives, and why do you think that is? Wow. Um, that's kind of a powerful thing to think about because I remember when I started before I was leading and I started attending a community Bible study, I really walked into it feeling to be perfectly honest, I felt a little superior with my Bible knowledge. Um, And it took no time for me to start being humbled simply because it's not that I I did know, you know, a lot of Bible facts and everything like that. But I started learning from women, for one thing, whose heart was there. And um, also I started learning from women who, you know, like sometimes there might be someone who comes from a from a different background where Bible study is not 
um, you know, you really shouldn't study the Bible too much yourself. You leave that up to, to others to tell you about it and stuff. And in doing one of these Bible studies, I watched someone go, that? You mean Jesus said that? We were studying the book of John. You mean he, he did this? He did, and, and it, you could see wheels start to turn in, in her, her mind that I can study the Bible for myself. And, and it, it was like watching um, a flower right after you water it and just how it kind of comes to life. And you just saw the face light up and, and the excitement. And, and so that was, that was really exciting to watch. And it was humbling to me to remember that even though I had been studying the Bible for decades, um, I, I can still have the reaction of the Bible coming to life for me. Um, so there was a lot. And then, you know, you'd have the people. Um, I, this is a story that it kind of, it, it almost breaks me up every time. I was One time I was in a group with ladies, and, and you had the young mom there. You had someone who had been a Christian for ever and was super, super wise. You had various different walks. You had some people who, who really thought differently on some things. But then this woman started coming, and she started talking about how much she had been for, forgiven about. And come to find out, this woman was awaiting sentencing um, for DUI. She had driven a school bus full of kids under the influence, and she was waiting sentencing. And we're, as you know, we're studying the Bible and stuff, she begins to really drive home how much God has done for her and how thank, it was one of the first times I'd really seen someone absolutely overwhelmed for what they had been forgiven of. And she wrote me, I even brought the little paper today just Mm -hmm. so I'd remember I've saved it. I've had it for so many years. I keep it in my Bible. And she wrote me from jail saying, it's okay. Things are great. God has forgiven me. I'm able to share the Bible with the other women in here and and little things like that, you know, or or you see the or you might be studying alongside someone whose children were taken away from them because of their addiction. Um so many different backgrounds coming together and the central focus being we're just going to look at this chapter today or this book today. That's it leave everything else at the door, and watch how it changed people. People who had maybe read the book of John or whatever book it might be or or whatever chapter in the Bible it might be, they may have read that a hundred times, but even that time, seeing women, I never got that before, or why do I feel like that was written for me right now where I am in my life? And it's infectious, it's infectious to, to watch this and then to see it happening in your own life as well. Yeah. So what do you think is the 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 difference? Like what is that, you know, what I hear being described is sort of these light bulb moments. And what is it that helps that kind of click on? Um, because we can uh, kind of read scripture and it just not seem to sink into our hearts and maybe it has to do with, say, like the parable of the sower, 
where you've got these different types and, and we've all been the different types of soil. Sometimes we're the thorny and we maybe receive the word, but it gets choked out because of the cares and worries of the world. Sometimes it's the rocky soil where it's uh, gone as soon as it's sowed and we just, our minds aren't open to it. But what do you think is the the thing that makes it so real for different people that you've studied with? I, I think part of it, and, and maybe I'm speaking somewhat from history or for somewhat from hearing others um, refer to this as well. I think um, it's very easy to just, when you're in a Bible, typical Bible class, to just listen and to just see what the teacher has to say, or whether it's a sermon, just listen to the preacher. Mm. Um, And that helps you form your opinions, and and you just sort of start thinking like that. Um, In fact, (laughs) digressing a little bit, it wasn't long after we married, and I would just start sort of saying some stuff that I'd always just heard. And Brian goes, where does it say that? What do you mean? Where'd you get that? And um, it used to drive me crazy, but... (laughs) That was the beginning of helping me realize I need to look at the Bible myself with fresh eyes and um, without any agenda and just see what the Holy Spirit wants me to learn. And the thing about the community Bible study that, that I've helped, helped lead is everybody is given for a week, you're given certain questions that prompt your thinking but it's you and your Bible. You're not supposed to look at any other outside sources, historical stuff, just you and the Word that week. What do you get? And um, it puts a little, you know, if you, it it makes you dig, and it Mm -hmm. makes you look at the Bible, and you start to realize how, um, I can, one, I can do this. Yeah. I can study the hard book. I can study the book of Revelation. I can study um, John or Romans. And um, it's okay if I don't have every single um, nuance down, but I can understand what the writer was writing about. Um, I think that's huge. I think the other thing even preceding that is when, when I lead or um, anyone who um, just participates in the Bible, in, in the Bible study, praying about it beforehand, mm. um, praying that God opens my mind to what he wants to say and that I let the word teach me what he's wanting me to learn mm. and that I take my all of my preconceived everything and just put that in the background and while we're studying this try to just focus on the passage that assigned passage for the week yeah wow so it sounds like okay well first of all so many things that i want to unpack here for the rest of the conversation that's that's all really good um and it sounds like a lot of it is buy-in i think sometimes just going to church Sunday and Wednesday, and I, I don't even love the way I said that, just going to church, but but 
when that's our when that's our habit, when that's our routine, year after year after year, um, it's easy to get become yeah, a spectator. Yeah, yeah. I, I think mean, that's a really good way of putting it. A spectator. And maybe just with our culture where everything is catered to us and to our liking, um, right? We can kind of uh, we can kind of turn the church pew into the sofa in the living room where it's about being entertained. What does this do for me? How does this? Um, am I enjoying this? What feeling am I getting from it? And and all all those are not unimportant things, but. I do think there can be a kind of spectator entertainment culture mentality that works its way into our minds and hearts. And I've found myself guilty of that many times uh, over the years where sometimes I'll, I'll look back at a period of time and think, Hmm, these sermons just aren't like affecting me. Like I remember uh, previous years where I felt like the sermons I was hearing more frequently impacted me and, were say life changing in some way, and uh, rather than that being on the preacher, I began to realize, oh well, that's probably a lot more on my heart. I'm not listening with the same humility, as in my need for it, and I'm listening perhaps more to be entertained or listening more just out of habit and routine, rather than realizing that no. Anytime scripture is opened, God is is speaking a word to me. And will my heart be ready to receive that word? Um, and it sounds like in, in kind of the f- format and structure that you've experienced with studying the Bible in a community, there is that buy-in that's, that says, okay, let's get our hearts ready before we open this book or as we are opening this book, let's get our hearts ready to receive the word that God wants to speak to us. Well, and it makes me think about um, when Paul went to Athens and spoke, and then he went to the Bereans and spoke. Mm. The difference there. Mm. You know, the Athens were, oh, yeah, that's great, that's great. They weren't about to let the message change them Mm. or be challenged. The Bereans, they took it. And they listened. And then they decided for themselves um, by examining Scripture if what he said um, was legitimate. Yeah. And and I think that's, I think, you know, it's easy to be spoon-fed. Um, I think we all just assume be spoon-fed everything in life and not have to work. But I think for to really grow in your knowledge and love of the word and to really help impact other women to grow in the knowledge and love of the word is everyone's got to be willing to dig in themselves and you don't and in making it very clear especially in a bible study situation i don't have the answers in fact i am very comfortable with saying i don't know <laughs> I, I don't know the answer to that, but you know what? I'll, I'll study about that, um, yeah. you know, things like that, and I'll try to get back to you. Um, whereas before, early on, like I always thought, you know, growing up, I thought, my dad has all the answers, hmm. you know, and he would never 
have said he had all the answers. But I just, in my mind, thought that. And so I always thought I had to have all the answers. I have to know everything. And, um, you know, I went into studying the book of Revelation. That was my first thing I ever led a community Bible study in. Um, and I did not have a handle on that wow. book. <laughs> but you just dig in and you say, well, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure I believe that. Or I always thought this. Well, that's interesting. I'm not. And, and it's a discovery yourself. And you have to have expectations. Uh, everyone needs to have that willingness to, all right, let's see where this goes, you know, and then you go back after your discussion and, and then you can dig further and, and ask, you know, ask someone wiser or, or look at um, resources and stuff. Um, Listen to sermons or podcasts or something to help you understand more. But I think the most important thing is to first just study the scripture Mm. and then you can add the layers of the other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a good point because I think in today's, uh, well, in, in, in today, (laughs) this day and age, it's so easy to do the opposite because, uh, commentaries, so many resources are very accessible. And so we let other people do the thinking for us. And, you know, two concerns about that. One is, well, yeah, they could be a little misleading. That's true. But almost, I think the greater danger is we're not allowing the scripture to form us. Um, If we're just letting these other resources do it all for us, well, God's word is designed to work on our minds and in our hearts. And we take away the opportunity for God to do that work, to do the molding and shaping as he's the potter working on the clay. Well, it tells you what you should, even though that may not be that source's intent, but you come away with, well, I already know what I think on that. Okay, let me read it. Yeah. And that may not at all be what you need from the scripture. And and sometimes it's just wrong or it's just, you know. Yeah. Well, and I I love the example that you brought up of the Bereans. And here's kind of how I imagine that happening. I don't know if this is exactly what it looked like, but I don't know. Sometimes I've thought of the Bereans as it's like, you know, they searched the scriptures to see if these things were so. And so almost as if they were like these skeptics, like, I don't know about you, Paul. Like, I'm not Mm -hmm. I'm not buying this. So we're going to be skeptical of what you have to say. Instead, I, I kind of imagine it as as they're hearing everything that Paul's saying about Jesus, as everything about Jesus is rooted in the Old Testament. They're saying is this really true? Could like, this they're be? so excited. Like, is this actually so? And so they're just digging through the Old Testament, trying to see like, okay, is, is what, if what Paul's saying is real, then this changes everything. And so it's this, it's this excitement. And we should have that same excitement as we encounter God in Scripture, as we come to know Christ and to know God within the Scripture. Um, are these things really so? Because... If that's true, this changes everything about my life. Well, and it does. And if you think about it, I mean, what other, even if, you know, the skeptic might look at the Bible as some historical document, um, what other historical document has been studied, poured over, 
um, been in more people's hands than the Bible. Um, nobody carries around Beowulf anymore, even though that was a really big deal back in the day, or or some other great literature piece, or even some, you know, Mein Kampf, or some, mm-hmm. um, you know, just some man's um, writings. Those don't live, and they don't, and not just live and exist, grow. I mean, the Bible still, the way it is expanding into so many third world countries, um, it, now, even today, all these years later, and the way it's still touching lives and it's still transforming lives. And when you really think about it, if there is a God of heaven who created this world and this is how he chose to, to speak to us, then you know what? It's in my best interest. It's, in, it's going to be, I'm going to have a much richer, happier, more peaceful, purposed life. Because these aren't, this is, isn't a historical document alone. It is life-giving, life-changing. Mm. That's such a needed message today, too. Like, uh, I, I, within our culture today, it's like the idea of, of anyone imposing their will on another is just like, like the worst vice you could commit. And not to say that the Bible is God imposing his will on us, but it's the revelation of his will. And so sometimes it just gets kind of kicked to the edge because it's like, well, why would I listen to this ancient document telling me how to live my life? But just asking the question, okay, if it is true that there is a creator who is living and active within creation and who designed all this in such a way as to best promote true human flourishing, then, like you said, it's in my very best interest to look into this and allow it to change my life and align my life and will and decision-making with what's revealed in these words. And and when we do time and time again, we see how beneficial it really is. Sometimes even when we're hesitant going in, like there's been moments in my life where I've thought, I don't, I, you know, I see God's will, but it's like, ah, do I, is this really what's best? Because I just, I'm struggling it's with this. Hurt. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, and then you, you choose to align your will with his and then you realize, oh, this this is good. This is what is right. And I think that's that's what happens when when we study the Bible within community. We see so many people who say, you know what, I am going to commit to this word. I am going to try to live this out. And day by day, as we do, uh, we see what it can really accomplish in our lives and how it changes our lives and the lives of the people around us for the better. And every time I stay out of the word, um, you know, life just doesn't go as well. Mm. When I stay rooted in the word and, and learning from that life giving source, um, I can handle all the things that life throws at me or Mm. that Satan throws at me. Mm. I can handle it. And I can be steadied through it. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, let's talk a little bit about specifics. Okay. Um, because what it sounds like is it's a little bit different. This method is is different from a typical Bible class. Definitely. Right. So let's kind of zoom in on that. What's what's kind of the mission and the method to community Bible study? Um, you know, I think the mission is to glorify God and to grow his people and to grow his people in a way that draws them closer to Christ and closer to scripture. Um, and that scripture can become something their go-to. Okay. Um, I think that's the biggest mission. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's really good. that was something that I didn't grasp until like college, I would say. I don't know that I ever thought until then uh, about God's word being his self-revelation, um, about the reason I go to scripture is to know him. Normally my approach to scripture was, what does this tell me to do so that I don't go to hell and I go to heaven? Um, but then at some point while at FC, it, it clicked for me that the main reason I go to scripture is to know God. And what kind of pointed me toward that was some of the classes that I took, but then realizing if I approach the Bible simply as a moral handbook, and I look to these different characters to try and get the moral of the story out of and to be my examples, it's like the list is pretty short of whose footsteps I should really follow in. Yes. (laughs) Um, And I thought, well, maybe it's less about my behavior and simply just telling me what to do and giving me examples of who to follow, and, and more so, it's God revealing his nature to us. This is who I am, and knowing who God is changes everything about how I live and how I uh, respond to that and in, in the behavior that I engage in and the way that I think about myself and other people. Um, and so I think that's so so key, the idea of this this mission when we go to Scripture is first and foremost about knowing God. So I love the way that you you put that. Well, there's a reason and this uh, Brian w- has said this a lot of times, so I, I've kind of picked up on it. There's a reason the Bible is not written like Leviticus, and thank goodness um, <laughs> that it's not written like Leviticus. Like you said, it's it's written for everyone to look. And to see how God deals with his people, how faithful God is, how how sovereign he is, mm-hmm. how um, forgiving he is, and how just he is, mm-hmm. and and merciful, and um, and can be wrathful. But yet you can see it in the perspective and in the way that God intends it to be to be said. And when you do that, it really helps take a lot of the fear away because you realize how faithful he is to his people, even though <laughs> too many times they're losers. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they really mess up, but he's faithful to him. He does not, he gives him so many chances to turn back to him. And so much so he even gave his son mm-hmm. um, as the ultimate. And, and it's just, an, um, that's my goal when I, at a new year and we start a new different topic with, um, the ladies I lead in my group, 
Um, my goal is for them to see how worthy God is mm. um, and just how it's life-changing. Yeah, that's beautiful. So so then what about the the method? What's kind of the approach with each of these Bible studies? The goal, the, the mission is to know God and know Christ mm-hmm. through the study of Scripture, but then how does that kind of break down each study? How it breaks down is, um, you know, I, there are many different ones. The one I happen to help with, um, we we spend about 29, 30 weeks um, studying um, sometimes. If it's a big book like Genesis, we'll spend the whole year on Genesis. But we each week, um, like I lead uh, anywhere from 15 to 20 people um, each week. But every week we all have a passage to study. And we have some questions that are prompt and there there are fact questions but there are a a lot of application questions too um that you spend time with and it's funny with my background i like to skip over the application questions i don't want a heart question i don't want to think about how it impacts my life but they're there and i have grown so much from doing that Um, and so you spend your week doing those questions and you come back together and I do not teach, and that takes a huge load off. I am not um, their teacher. In fact, I I call myself more of a facilitator. Um, In fact, my goal is to only speak about 20% of the time. Um, My goal is to see what every lady, I don't call on anybody because we don't want to make anybody feel like, you know, drop out because, oh, she called on me. Um, I know what it's like to be an introvert, and I know how terrifying that can be. So, um, but hopefully everyone will start sharing. And maybe, you know, one question, we might get three different people giving what um, they learned that week from it. And so, you know, we do that, and we spend um, about 40 minutes on it. And um, we just go over like that with it and study I am very devoted to time. That seems silly, but um, the two things, like as a, a leader, that when we do come together as a group, my ladies can count on, is we are going to finish at that 40 to 45-minute mark. Um, and I promise them if they're going to take time to get here or, or to – Right now, I'm, I'm leading online. So on Zoom, I will have them, they will be able to log off at the 45-minute mark. We do about 40 minutes for the Bible study and then about five minutes for prayer. And um, I guarantee them that I will be done by then. And the other promise that I make to them is we will cover all the material because that last, you know, say we had three chapters, that last chapter is every bit as important as the first chapter um, and so I, in doing that, I do a, a, I prep and I time out all my questions. I know you've heard me talk about this before, <laughs> um, but it's very important to hit everything with the timing, um, just so you're fair and that all the scripture gets the amount of time it needs to. This takes so much pressure off, it sounds it, like. It really does. In fact, that's what I thought about. Oh, I should have said that. It does. It takes the pressure off. Yeah. Because kind of to go back to where we sort of started, when we think about outreach, when we think about leading others into a transforming relationship with Jesus, the truth is that is a lot of pressure. 
And whether we're leading a Bible study or not, that's a lot of pressure. But I'm reminded of Isaiah 55, where uh, he says this in verse 10, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And that is such a powerful verse and a verse that gives me so much peace and comfort when it comes to well, one, when it comes to preaching, because I feel that every Sunday, it's like, okay, why am I up here? <laughs> but also within studying the Bible with other people, especially when it comes to outreach and those who haven't yet put on Christ, um, God's Word is going to do its job. I just got to open it with another person and be as curious as they are. And when I, when, when my curiosity uh, meets God's word, something incredible happens, and it produces flourishing, and uh, God's word will not return empty and void. And I can remember that when when studying it with with other people. When when I started leading, someone told me, and I now share this when a new leader comes on, because it it's almost every one of us who've ever probably anybody who ever starts leading, you don't feel qualified. And um, I was expressing, I don't feel qualified to do that. And they looked at me and they go, you're not. <laughs> you're not qualified. The Holy Spirit is. It's not about you. Stay on your knees. Pray about it. Let God and his word with the Holy Spirit work on people. Mm. And that really helped me a lot Mm. because it's really not on my shoulders um, that everyone gets the answer that I want them to get on, um, you know, to to come away with. It's it's not ultimately on me. It's on me to plant the seed, um, have the Bible there, help them learn to navigate the Bible. But it's there, you know, it's the Holy Spirit can better explain something than I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Well, that's uh, any any other things on method, kind of the approach, study to study. You know, there are um, there's lots of, of stuff to do. You know, one thing. Okay, there one thing I do um, every week before I lead whatever that passage assigned is. I do a little breakdown of the scripture. I will take whatever that assignment is, whether it's one chapter, sometimes it's been 14 chapters, but I, I make, I just do a quick, easy 10, um, facts about it, you know, kind of 10 statements from it that I learned from that scripture. And then I sit there and I look at that and I think, okay, so these are the, I kind of break it down. Like, is this important? Okay. So I'm going to divide it into a couple little things here. Make sure I understand this is grouped together. These chapters, you know, we kind of go together. And then I make heart questions. Um, And not that I really don't ask the ladies these, but I ask them and I always look at that scripture and I think what or how or why 
did something. How can this change me? What do I need to change in my life to implement the concept Paul's talking about here or things like that? And, and that helps me, not that I know it and I could sit, not that I could sit there and teach a class. I couldn't, but it helps me have a grip on the scripture. So when those out of the blue questions come, um, I'm not thrown off by them and I'm not stammering. I have, I have a grasp mm-hmm. of what the scripture is about. Yeah. Yeah. That, that sounds like a good approach. So if I'm hearing right, it's like you'll read through the passage and then there's these 10, mm-hmm. what you view yeah. as kind of the key Just details. the facts, just the, just facts the facts of what's happening. And then looking at that, you form several heart questions mm-hmm. that are, uh, self-reflective that kind of turns scripture into a mirror of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Kind of the idea of, of, of James 2 looking into the perfect law of liberty and allowing that to, to change us is kind of the approach. That is exactly yeah. what I do. And it only takes a, you know, I mean, sometimes it takes longer, but if I'm disciplined, <laughs> um, I can do it in 30 minutes. Yeah. You know, but that helps me to go, not go in fearful. Mm. Um, this year we were studying the divided kingdom and while I kind of grasp that, but there'll be times there are all these battles, all these Kings, all the, this and that, and it kind of helps me, it would help me not get bogged down with all the little bitty details. It helped me remember what is the scripture laying out here? What are the main points? You know, what are the main things and what are the takeaways from it? What, what is the aim of this scripture? What I, what is is say you know if Samuel was writing it or um what was he wanting or Ezekiel whoever um what was he wanting his readers to learn from it so that takeaway I make that little statement and then I ask the little heart questions oh I thought of one more thing okay when when I pray about my group um I pray for the porcupine people um and that's the people who are a little hard to love or the antagonists who are constantly, maybe they won't stop talking and give someone else a turn, or maybe it always is all about them, or maybe they're just constantly um, at odds with any other answer that's given or just that kind of hard to deal. Um, I can't tell you the number of times when I take those people in prayer, I wind up loving them a lot. Mm-hmm. Um and and being able to get past the frustration because anytime you're in a setting where you're leading or facilitating a group of people for something there's just different personalities and it's easy to get frustrated and testy yeah. and that really helps me a lot god yeah. calms me down i like that praying for the porcupine people i was wondering where that was going to go and oh, I, you, yes. told, you told me that before but i forgot i was like what does this a friend, end up again i had a really difficult woman who would not stop talking and a, a friend told me she goes julia it's the port you pay for your porcupine people and <laughs> that kind of just has always stuck with me that's funny well Okay, I'm imagining myself as somebody at Lost River who's hearing all of this, excited, intrigued, but I'm thinking in the back of my mind, okay, where do I even begin? Um, How do I start this? How do I initiate it? Um, How do I invite people? Where should we go? What should we study? What should this look like? 
So for someone who's kind of coming from that perspective, who's kind of excited but wondering where to begin, what would you have to say to them? And then also, what are the ways that really everybody can get involved with this? You know, not everybody has to be a leader for something like this, but what are the ways where this can kind of be a multifaceted effort for people who maybe want to team up, you know, with a friend or with, you know, other family members or just different people here at Lost River that say, hey, we want to take this on. Where do we start? And that that can be daunting. Um, you know, years ago, we started doing, Brian and I started just having the young married couples, or um, they weren't all married, but kind of young professionals um, every week for a Bible study. And all we did for that, we didn't even use a book or anything. We would say, hey, we're studying Colossians. Let's do it. We're all going to read the chapter and discuss it um, that night. And that was really beneficial. And that was really great. Um, And in fact, I think that's where Scott and Kara Connolly started. falling for each other, if I remember, if I have my facts right. Um, they were know, only going to study the Bible, though, I'm sure. Only, <laughs> only. It's the only reason they came. And um, But, you know, then later we did it with the college students, and we would have them over every week. And, and it didn't, it, that was much more informal, because we are literally were like, all right, we're going to sit down, and, and we're going to do one chapter of Matthew, and the next week we'll do the second chapter, and, you know, go from there. So that's one way you can do it. Um, you can do kind of like Janice has done this summer, um, find a book, um, that has questions that kind of leads you. And she found a study and then she just put it out there on, on Facebook in the Lost River ladies group. Um, Hey, anybody want to study this summer? And people come up, you know, that's another way it could be, you know, whether it's people you hang out with, um, from work or in your neighborhood. Um, it's, you know, just various things like that. Maybe you're involved in sport, kids sports or something. And, and some of those parents, and, and you could just say, Hey, you know what, while they're at practice, y'all want to just get together and maybe we could go through the book of Ephesians or Acts or Luke, depending upon who the audience is, um, that might be best. So, so that's an option. There are other, com- there are community studies there and, um, you know, that you could be a part of some community study that's out there, too, even if you don't lead. It's a way, even before I led, it was a way to, it was a way to evangelize because you were there and you were able to talk about the scripture with people who you would have never run into otherwise. So, you know, just think what in your life, where, what makes sense for you to do. Yeah, so many ways to to get involved. And what I hear is, uh, I hear the opportunity to host. Uh, I hear the opportunity to bring food. I hear the opportunity to be the the inviter, the opportunity to be the leader. Mm-hmm. Um, so many different ways where um, where we can get involved in. I think in my experience, people are much more willing to agree to come over and study the Bible within a community than they are to meet up one-on-one. 
I think so. I think it takes some of the pressure off them if they mm-hmm. feel like I'm not being cornered. Right, right. So, you know, you're not a project. You're not a target. It's, hey, I want you to be a part of something. Mm-hmm. And I want you to feel like you belong within this group. And any question, comment is open. We'll I- I explore whatever as we study this together. But I just want you to be a part of this. And again, that's another thing that takes takes the pressure off. Um, it really does. So, so that's great. Well, any, any other thoughts on that? Um, you know, just pray about it before you do it. Um, a practical thing is have an end date in mind. Um, typically I think that works best if people think I'm going to get, you know, I have time in the summer, but I don't have time in the fall or I have, you know, or might take a break during the holidays or just whatever. Think about, be respectful of people's time when you're planning it um often the open-ended ones just wind up petering out um we found Mm -hmm. um, i just know how much it's changed me listening to other people studying the bible um and and studying alongside them and stuff and it's been very powerful and i think um it's a way you know the way my dad did it for years worked great for him um but then sometimes if you're maybe you're just not that personality or those opportunities don't come i think um getting involved in some sort of bible study whether you lead it or whether you get to with someone else and say i'll be there i'll be the person there every time if you want to lead it i'll be there i'll i'll always participate and you have their back i did that for years because mm-hmm. i didn't have the time to focus on on leading a group. Um, I think that's it. But, you know, ultimately it's about, just think about trying to get people to start having a love of scripture. Mm -hmm. And, and if you just look at it like that, not some, I've got to get them at the church building in this pew. That's great. But my goal is to teach them to have a love of scripture and a grower in their love for God. Mm. I think that's a wonderful goal to have. And in the back of my mind, just this whole conversation, I've had Psalm 1. And I'll just read it. It's very short. But Psalm 1, blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Seems like we have these two options. We're going to take counsel from somewhere. We're going to have these soul-shaping influences in our lives, whether we choose them or not. And what is the counsel that I'm going to choose to take up? Is it going to be the random assortment of the world that puts different pressures on me? Or will it be that I'm shaped by the Word and I meditate on the law of the Lord day and night, and that becomes my delight and my joy. 
and I do that in community with other people. Um, and if I choose that, then that's the life that leads to, well, like this tree that's planted by the streams of water, that no matter what season it is, it's thriving and flourishing and the leaf never withers. Um, that doesn't mean that there aren't hard times, but like you mentioned before, when we're digging deep into God's mm-hmm. Word, it gives us gives us the roots strong enough to bear whatever Satan throws our way. It, when you read that, it, it really came to mind. All I could think about was Jesus and how, you know, Jesus was so rooted in the Word. Um, and I, I think I may have mentioned this one time at the house or something to you, but... Um, I used to teach the temptations of Jesus um, to the kids and I would at, at church and I would say that Jesus knew his memory verses. He knew his memory and I'm not down on memory verses. Memory verses are great um, and they're useful. But um, I always had that mentality that, well, he knew his memory. He could quote a scripture. Therefore, he could do the, um, you know, withstand state, Satan. And one time Brian goes, no, Julia. <laughs> It's because he loved scripture. He loved the words of God because that was God. And and it, it really helped click with me. And you think about that. Jesus was so rooted in um, the truths of the word and in the word and, and the law. And so, of course, when Satan came, what spewed out of his mouth? What he loved most, the scripture, you know, God's mm-hmm. words. Um, and I think that when you can start loving scripture that way and maybe pray, help me love scripture. Mm. I don't love it right now. Um, I find it intimidating. If you pray to God, help me love scripture and, and to, to long for scripture. Oh, he'll answer you. Yeah. He will definitely provide. Oh, that's so powerful. Yeah. We, we see the word take on flesh in the word. Jesus, yes. who took on flesh, and he gives us the perfect example to see what it looks like for Scripture to be that transforming power in our lives and to use Scripture in leading others into a transforming relationship with him. Definitely. So. Well, Julia, thanks so much for joining today. This was awesome. We've had so many good conversations just over supper and things like that, but this was really special in, in, um, in what I needed to hear. So thanks so much for uh, joining today. Well, I think this was so sweet of you to ask me. Um, I appreciate it. I, I don't normally do stuff quite like this. So um, I was happy to share how God's blessed me through um, the opportunity I have to outreach.